So if you would, before you get your sheet, go with me to Isaiah 24, and let's look at the first verse. And I'm going to try not to get bogged down. Uh, Isaiah 24 and the first verse. Now, this message is entitled, The Fear, the Pit, and the Snare. That's where I began this. But I, I started reading this chapter, and it, it has taken me weeks to get over it. Just weeks and weeks, maybe even months. That I'm going to read it to you, and we're going to look at it together. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste. Who's doing this? The Lord's doing it. Okay? So it is the Lord behind the desolation that Isaiah is writing about. It's God. Everybody say, it's God. It's God. So... He's making it empty. He's making it waste. He turns it, how? Upside down and scatters abroad the inhabitants. So that means he's going to move people around. People are going to start moving. Are, are people trying to move now? Are people leaving California? Are they leaving New York? Are people, are people spreading out across the United States to get away? from the centers of COVID? Does anybody know the answer to that question? That question is a resounding yes. People are moving. Verse 2. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. Now, I want you to notice that what happens, God is saying, is whatever happens to one happens to all. He is saying, in point of fact, what I'm going to do is going to affect everybody. How many people are going to be affected, folks? Everyone. Okay. So let's just clarify that right now. Nobody's going to get a free pass. Everybody is going to be affected. As with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. So everybody is going to experience the moment God gets up and says, I'm going to shake things up. I would say that that's happening. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. Haughty is proud, arrogant, lifted up. The earth also, verse 5, this gives us a context for why God is doing this. Why would God do this? And are his people here when he does it? Is this part of the book of Revelation? Or is this something God is doing before the book of Revelation? I think we can say we're living in Isaiah 24 now and it's not the book of Revelation. So we have to ask ourselves, where does this fit? And I ask myself that and I do believe I have an answer to it, but we're going to keep going. Why is the earth defiled under the inhabitants? Semicolon. Here comes an explanation. Because they've transgressed the laws. Whose laws? I want to ask a simple question. Has mankind been transgressing God's laws in our generation? Okay. 
Is that a resounding yes from this congregation? Okay. They've changed ordinances. That means God established boundaries and they've changed it. I only have to say one word to you and you can answer the question. Gender. Okay. Enough said. Broken the everlasting covenant. So God made a covenant with the earth. Not just with his people, but he made a covenant with the earth when he told Noah, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. I will never again destroy the earth with water. And he said that this everlasting covenant, and I'm not sure which of how many covenants there are that mankind has broken, but we have clearly broken through the boundaries of established commandments and no generation before us has done it like we have except for Noah and do you remember what happened when God finally when they finally reached whatever that moment is God sent Noah with a word that he preached for 150 years and it was I am going to destroy the world did he do it yes. yes he did so it says therefore verses 4 and 5 4 tells what's happening 5 says why and 6 gives the explanation therefore has the what a curse devoured the earth and they that dwell in the earth now you say why are you emphasizing that because the Bible said he has raised us together to sit with him where in heavenly places so our escape is not on the earth our escape is spiritual in order to deal with what's going on in the earth which is a horizontal experience, we have to go vertically. Are you with me? Amen. Okay, we'll keep going. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are what? Okay, and few men are left. There's a scripture in Malachi, the fourth chapter and the first verse that says, the day of the Lord shall burn like an oven against two kinds of people. The proud and the wicked. Most of us would not put proud and wicked people on the same continuum. But they both resist God. Proud people will not bow to God. Pharaoh was a proud man. The more God judged him, the more inflexible that man became. Every time God removed the curse or the judgment, it made him harder, not smarter. Every time God answered a prayer, we need cry out and say, help. And God said, okay. So God gave us insight in the character of the proud. Because if someone is proud, that means they're absolutely unbending to the will and the voice of God doesn't matter how much good you do to and for them. 
So Malachi said, this day when God gets up, two kinds of people are going to suffer greatly. The proud who will not bend their knee to God and the wicked who are openly opposing him by the choices and the actions they make. Malachi 1 says there will neither be a root nor a branch left of proud people and wicked people. He said, I am going to clear the ground. Now, verse 2 tells me that the people of God are going to be there when he does this. Verse 2 says, but unto you that what? Fear. Everybody say fear. Fear my name shall the son of righteousness. And notice that he refers to himself as the S-U-N, capital, meaning bright light, majestic, glorious, the son of doing right. Look at that. Rise with what in his wings? Not miracles, not signs, not wonders, not one, the one thing that the people of God are going to need passing through this day is what? Everybody say it again. Say it again. Healing. Healing. He's going to rise with healing to the people of God and you'll go forth, go out, spread abroad, and grow up as calves of the stall. I've not seen calves in the stall, but I've seen little baby goats when they let them loose. You cannot help but laugh when those little goats get free. I've never seen such stomping and kicking and carrying on as when those little goats are let loose. And that's always the picture that comes to my mind. Now let's go back to Isaiah 24, verse 7. After it says in 6, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men are left. New wine mourns, the vine languisheth, all the merry hearted. Even people who love to party are going to have it rough. The mirth of tabret ceases, the noise of them that rejoiceth ends, the joy of the harp cease, they shall not drink wine with a song, strong drink will be bitter to them that drink it. So even getting drunk is not going to have the same effect on people. This is what the Bible says, not me. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. There's crying for wine in the streets. Joy is darkened. Mirth of the land is gone. In the city is left desolation. The gate is smitten with destruction. And then notice this, verse 13, 14, and 15. In the middle of this desolate picture. Wherefore... When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done. He said, I am going to shake this thing. We read in Hebrews many months ago in one of the lessons, I am not only going to shake the heavens, but the earth and everything that can be shaken so the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Verse 14. Now this is what is bizarre. In the middle of this 24th chapter of desolation, despair, and destruction, they shall lift up their 
voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Get a visual image of our globe and lighthouses where the Lord has baptized people with the Holy Ghost. Congregations that are meeting across this world all hours. People worshiping and praising points of light. We are coming from the sea. People are considered the sea in the book of Revelation. The sea is a mass of people and the Bible says that there's going to be praise coming from the sea. Would you just lift your hands right now? We are fulfilling this scripture right now in the middle of Isaiah 24 praising the Lord and magnifying Him with masks, hand sanitizer, seats roped off, online in houses, with little iPads and phones and computers. We're fulfilling what Isaiah saw. They shall cry aloud from the sea and then verse 15 please read wherefore glorify ye the Lord where where in the fires remember I read in Malachi the earth is on fire to you that is going to burn up people it's going to burn them up they're going to just implode in rage and anger and like Pharaoh, instead of going, oh God, this is a wake-up call, they're going to get harder. They're going to say, I'm not praying, I'm not praising, I'm not, I'm not doing it. That's not an option for me. Proud and wicked. But there is a people in the middle of the fires that are giving God glory. Say, we're in the fire. And I have a precious friend, a pastor's wife, who got coronavirus, had it for five weeks, her husband recovered. She's probably my age, even if she's one year older, I don't know. She didn't do so well. It took her a long time. They discovered that she has a heart valve issue. They didn't know it before coronavirus. And I texted her as soon as I found out. And you know what she's doing? Praising the Lord. Unbelievable! What is she doing? Praising the Lord in the fires. Don't you think the doctors and nurses are watching her response? Oh, yeah. I want to thank the Lord that she got to go home today. She's been in ICU all this time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're giving God glory. I'm not going to hide from you that she went to ICU. I'm not hiding from you that we've had some people that went on to be with the Lord. I'm going to give God glory whether we live or whether we die. We are the Lord's. God is awesome. Wherefore, glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord of the God of Israel in the isles of the sea. He said, people from the uttermost part of the earth, verse 16, have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. And Isaiah said, oh my leanness, my leanness. Woe to me, treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. So what he's describing is right in the middle of all this praise and worship, people are violating the covenant. 
They're telling lies. They're, are we living there right now? We come to church, worship, magnify the Lord, and walk out into a tsunami of this one's fallen and that one's done this and it's more bad news and more revelations and we're still praising the Lord. The line has been drawn. This side is going to continue to be proud and wicked and this side is going to be righteous and there are going to be some people that are going to pass between that and God's going to bring them through while we're singing and praising. Obviously, if we're here, there are people that are sitting in the dark that are looking for direction. While we're praising God with a mask, hand sanitizing, they're looking at us going to clinics and cancer and in school and in work going through the same thing. But we have a different outlook. God is sending us to tell these people who have not known Him, Hey, there's hope. There's light. It's not over. Follow me. Oh, hallelujah. It thrills me to hear that Brother Bob Keyes has been telling everybody everywhere he goes about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's done more witnessing probably in the last six weeks than he has done in the last six years because suddenly he knows what God has done for him and the Lord knew he'd tell it and he just let him go through all kinds of things. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. God knows what he's doing. He's sending evangelists to hospitals and clinics and ICUs, his own dear people. Representing him to people who would otherwise be without light and hopeless in the world. So not everyone is a proud and wicked. There are some righteous and God's reaching for them. Say thank you Jesus. Now, then we come to our verse which is our text. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. Verse 18, it shall come to pass that he who flees from the noise of the fear. This is the first thing that people who don't have God are going to do. They are going to seek an escape. They're going to run. They are going to run as fast as they can to get away from this fear. They are going to try to do everything they can to make it stop. But what does Isaiah say is going to happen to those that flee from the noise of the fear? Notice the second part. Do you see it? Those that are running, they're looking behind them and they're running with everything they've got. Now how do people run? They find substances, they, find, they, they go in and out of relationships, they find a way to escape. Some of it is legitimate, meaning that the world approves of it, and some of it is immoral, even though the world accepts it. Some of it is illegal, and the world rejects it. Some of it is unethical. So the world has a range of responses that it says is okay for people to do. They're totally contrary to the Word of God. Just because there's no law against it doesn't mean we have permission to access that escape. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to fight the fear. Now I want you to go to your handout now. Everyone should have it. And I want to break down for you the privilege of presence. Now it doesn't seem on that first sheet 
if you look, we did Psalms 91 and 1 and Psalms 91 and 13. Here's the thing on your handout. The privilege of presence means that if you are in the presence of God, you are going to face the same thing everybody else is facing. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've had coronavirus, but I will raise mine. I've had it, and I came through it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you know someone that passed away and you were told it was coronavirus. I don't know how people are going to determine the truth anymore. And the reason why people want to know is they want to base their actions, they want to base their response on, okay, if people have died from this, then that's going to determine where I go, with whom, for how long, and what I wear while I'm there. Because I'm going to protect myself against this. Now, I'm basing my actions on what I have heard. Now, the Lord didn't come down and say, Thus saith the Lord, this is the coronavirus, and I'm going to tell you how to fight it physically. We're trying to make decisions, the best decisions we can, by obeying the laws of the land, by following common sense. But at the end of the day, we have more to fear from the fear of coronavirus than we do coronavirus. Do you understand that? Coronavirus is not good or evil, it's a virus, but the way we respond to this will determine whether we are full of faith or whether we're full of... So everybody on the planet is being revealed right now, all of us. All of us in church tonight, we're being revealed. And you say, well, why, why would God expose me like this? Why is God trying to show me? Because the Bible said, beloved, think it not strange. Don't go, oh, I can't believe that I've got this cancer. I can't, because God is going to walk us through how do I act when I'm confronted with something that can threaten my life? Well, how are you supposed to know that? You're not born knowing that. You're not raised. There's no manual for, now here's what you do if you're scared out of your mind because you have a bad diagnosis. Or here's what you do except all of a sudden the entire world is having to make that decision all together, all at once. And they're petrified. And there is a noise of fear. It's the sound. Do you remember how many times in the Bible, I didn't write it down, but how many battles were won by Israel simply because their enemies turned on each other and killed one another? Do you know? Amalekites, Moabites, Edomites, they... In the dark, without being able to see, they were so full of fear, they didn't have a holy mandate. They weren't marching. In fact, some of these people were paid. They were mercenaries. And when you go out there and you arm up and you're a guy and you know how to fight, I mean, you're thinking about your salary at the end of the battle. You're not thinking about, I'm doing this for heaven. These people were trying to earn a living. 
and they knew they were going to loot and pillage and take cattle and somebody else's camels and someone else's family and turn them into concubines or slaves. That's what this was all about. The bigger the power, the more stuff you get. So when they marched into battle, they weren't praying, they weren't worshiping, they were, they were, they were trash talking. They were working up a rage. Because underneath all of that is the knowledge, I could die today. I'm risking my life. Now they didn't face that with, yay, we're awesome. There was fear, so they had to bulk up on rage and anger to carry them through. And under cover of dark, all they had to do is one of them fire a shot on their own people. And guess what they did? I can't tell you how many battles in the Bible they just destroyed each other and the Israelites got up. Jehoshaphat had people going out praising and worshiping. The Lord said, when you hear the wind in the mulberry bush, go send out the praise worshipers and the musicians and everything. And while Jehoshaphat and his army of praise singers and musicians were worshiping, their enemies slaughtered each other. They didn't need what... It wasn't the Israeli weapons. It wasn't the javelins. You know what took them down? F-E-A-R. That's what took them down. Fear. I've already put out there before, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So, let's look at your handout. You'll see Jeremiah. Excuse me, let me go up to the privilege of presence. The Lord said, He that dwells in the secret, secret place shall abide under the shadow. Do you know what this suggests? Whether it's light or dark, there's always a shadow. Now, you can't, uh, you know why you can see my shadow on this floor here? Because I'm standing in the light. But according to this, it doesn't matter whether it's day or night, I will always be under the shadow of God. It didn't say that he would make himself visible to me. He said the most I'm going to see of him is a shadow. And depending on whether my battle's at day or night, I may not even see that much. And then Psalms 91 and 13 says, You'll tread on lion, adder, young lion, dragon. And then Luke, Jesus said, This is what my presence will do for you. I am not going to keep you from the lion. I want you to conquer him. I'm not going to keep you from the adder. I am not going to keep you from the scorpion or the serpent. I want you to crush it. Amen? Amen. So let's jump down fighting fear. Number one, be still. Now, do you see how counterintuitive this is from he that fleeth from the noise of the fear? What are people doing who don't know God? When fear comes, what do they do? Run. Just run, aimlessly, just run, just get away from the noise. Problem is, what happens when you start running? What's waiting next? 
a pit, which means a hole in the ground. And what happens after you hit the hole? If you manage to pull yourself out of the hole, then what happens? A snare. So we first have to deal, before we deal with the pit and the snare, we have to deal with the awful feeling of fear. And if you look on your page, in the Word of the Lord, Psalms 46 and 10 says, Be still. Do not run. So I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning to walk the little track around our community park in Arkansas before I went to work. I opened the gate and slipped inside. My friend was supposed to meet me there. The moon was still up. That's how early it was. It was pitch dark and I was going to get my walking in before I went to work. And I noticed something dart out from under one of the playground swings or whatever it was. I saw it out of the corner of my eye didn't make a sound, a silent shape. And I, my heart quickened a little bit and I felt the blood kind of rush to my face and I just kept walking and I saw it come to another piece of equipment a little closer to me. It was either a fox or a coyote and it wasn't making a sound, but it was stalking me. And just as clear as I heard a voice, all of a sudden I felt my bare calves. I literally felt how vulnerable my calf muscles were. My bare leg. I could feel it and my heart started pounding and I heard a voice say, Don't run. I guarantee you I didn't, but I, I power walked like you've never seen someone power walk. <laughs> said I'm not running I knew and I, how I knew I don't know what it was but I knew if I ever ran it was coming after me that I was going to have to walk and as soon as I got out of that fence I locked that gate got in my car drove down the street and guess what there was Bishop standing in the street in his shirt sleeves waving me down I said, what in the world are you doing up at this hour? I was stalked by a coyote. He said, the police just came by my house because there's an escapee from the jail and he's warning me that he's in our vicinity. So I fled from one thing covered by a shadow to avoid something Worse, if you can't fight fear, then you're not ready for the pit. And I'm telling you folks, we're here. You cannot give into it. He said, get still. What happens when you be still? What happens in that verse? Be still and what? No. I want you to stop flopping around. I want you to stop jumping and shouting and hollering and working yourself up to a frenzy. He said, you be still. I am God. Know it. He said, you get that in your head. 
You get it in your heart. You get it in your actions. You, I am God. Know it. Know it in your emotions. Let it hit you. Let it penetrate the way you feel. Let it affect the way you think. Let it get into what you're doing. But you know, it's just like a kid who's jumping around screaming because they're bleeding. And sometimes you just got to grab a Stand still. And then he says this. I will be exalted among the heathen. In other words, I'm doing something. Be still. Don't fight me. Be still. Quit yelling. Be still. I got this. Don't respond to the noise. Stop listening to it. Get still. Stop running. Stop. Turn around. Stand. I'm God. That's the first thing. Now let's look at the next verse. No. He said, not only will I be exalted among the heathen, I, the whole earth is going to know me. I'm going to guarantee you, people are going to know that God's in control. Because nobody else is. No. Psalm 51 and 6. Behold, thou, meaning God, desirous truth, where? Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't like self-introspection, I guess that's redundant. If you don't like to be introspective, which means you don't like to sit down and take stock of what you've been doing and thinking and feeling. You don't like that quiet time when things you did and didn't do come rushing in. When things you said and didn't say. You, people who don't like that, he said, you're never going to get to this verse because God wants truth, not here. Truth doesn't start with your tongue. Truth starts when you sit down and you look at yourself. When I take time and I go, man, I am off track. If you can't stand to self-reflect and self-look, then there can be no truth. He didn't say capital T. He said, I want you to be honest about what you're really doing. Say, this is how you fight fear? Oh, yes. Yes. Because how else do you know that He is God? If you're lying to yourself about your life, if you're not honest about how you're living, if you're explaining away, justifying, excusing, now how would I know all that? Because I'm human and that's my nature. I don't want to self-examine. Most people, right down to the criminal classes, think they're pretty good folks. I don't know too many people who look at themselves and go, I am rotten to the core. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. And it's all coming from here. He said, I want you to tell the truth where? Now, why is that important? Because of what the next part of this verse says. In the what? The hidden part. He said, the part nobody sees. That's where I'm going to meet you. And I'm going to let you understand things. Now remember, I told you, while you were taking up the offering and getting your sheet, that knowledge 
is the least of three levels of understanding. Knowledge you can get by reading a book, sitting under a teacher, taking a class. You, all you do when you know like that is you're studying, you're introducing your eye, your mind, your cognitive abilities to facts, to someone else. That's the cheapest, that's cheap. Knowledge is cheap. And just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. That's the other thing. You know, just because you see it in the advocate. Uh, really? Do you know who's writing those articles? Okay. The next level of knowing, and everybody who's going to have a job has to get a certain level of knowing. But the next level is when you apply knowledge over time. You know what that's called? That's called experience. You have experience. You took what you got in school. You took what you got at the Votech. You took what you got uh, from your apprenticeship. You took it and you applied it and you've done it long enough that now you're in a groove. You've got some experience. You're, you've passed just the knowing stage. You've got experience. I'm going to tell you something. There's a third level. And he said, the more truthful you are about yourself, not other people, the more honest we are, the more open we are to, oh my God, I did that. I did it. I own it. I am accountable. I did. He said, I'm going to take you to the third level of knowing, which most people only get after a lifetime, maybe. And it refers only to their job. Because there are people who are old and still can't figure out how to have a relationship with someone. So age does not mean wisdom. At all. We're fighting fear. He said, you need to know me. And if you know who I am, then your fear is just going to go. Be still and know. So to know means I go this way. Oh, God. Then he said, what I'm going to do is the more honest you are than in that hidden place that nobody sees. Not your husband, not your wife, not your kids. We cannot know each other at that level. He said, I am going to give you wisdom which is what people struggle to get after a lifetime of experience. Not only do they know how the job works, they know how the whole company works. Do you understand what I just said to you? They suddenly have a different vision. It's not just my little part. They suddenly begin to learn how the whole thing works. It's like being a specialist for a toe or a finger and, and studying medicine, just the finger. And suddenly because you studied the finger and you got to know and you applied to your life what you knew about the finger, then suddenly you know how the whole body works. Nobody can do that but God. But do you know where it starts, that kind of knowing? How honest are we about our lives? I'm going to fight the fear. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think the earth is going to applaud people who sit down and take stock of how they've been living? 
They are just going to run from one noise to the next. No accountability. Rolls off of them like water on Teflon. Nothing sticks. Search me. I want you to look at Psalms 56 and 9. When I cry unto you. Doesn't say I'm not going to. says I'm going to cry. Then shall my enemies turn back. This I know. How do you know that? How do you know? Well, first of all, I've been crying to you. And I know my enemies will turn back. I know it. Why do I know it? How do I know this? Read it. For God is for me. You cannot say that unless you've been honest in here and you've confronted yourself and then you can turn around and say, I know that pleases God. And when I cry to Him, whatever's coming after me is going to have to turn around because God is for me. How do you know that? Because I've been telling the truth on the inside. Next verse. Psalms 103. These are three kinds of knowings. Or four, however many I've got there. First of all, we're going to know wisdom. Secondly, we're going to know God is for me. Third, Psalms 103. Know ye what? The Lord, He is God. There's no way you know God is God unless you're coming against something. You cry out to God, He delivers you, and then you go, Wow! No way. You'll explain it away by happenstance or coincidence or... So if we are truthful, we're still... We know God, we're going to know wisdom. We're going to know God is for me. We're going to know the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. There's no arrogancy in that. There are no self-made men. If you know God, then you know God made you. Not we ourselves, we're His people, the sheep of His pasture. Psalms 119.75, you're going to know something else. I know, O Lord, that what? Thy judgments are right. So, the only way I know how to do that is when God crosses up my opinion of what I think right is. This is how you fight fear. You see, if you don't get with God when the fear comes, you're going to run. Because you want to cherish your own opinion about the way things should be. I'm going to tell you something. If the Lord continues to take people from our congregation, I'm going to say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. God knows things I don't know. Since when did I have the right to say who lives and who dies? Who stays and who goes? No, thank you. I'm not making that judgment call. His judgments are right. I know that. How'd you know that? Because I've been telling the truth over a period of time. I've learned some stuff. Now, Ephesians 3 and 19 says, not only when I'm still am I going to know wisdom, God is for me, the Lord, He is God, His judgments are right, but guess what else I'm going to know? To know the love of Christ. Now this is interesting. 
because most people would try to quantify love. How do you know someone loves you? It's, it's ethereal. It can't be measured. He said, the reason why the love of Christ is so important is guess what it passes, folks? You can't get it by studying it. It passes knowledge. So it's, try, it's like trying to study chocolate and never take a bite. I don't need His love. I don't need His mercy. I don't need His grace. I'm going to tell you what. There we go with the proud and the wicked. I don't need it or the proud and the wicked are saying, I don't want it. And then there are the righteous that say, oh, woe is me. I need to know the love of Christ. Why are we learning this? To fight the fear. He said, I want you to be filled with the love. I want you to know it that you can be filled with the fullness of God. All right, so be still. No. Number three. Believe. Now I'm going to tell you right now, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. It's Christmas time. I don't care how many carols we sing. Right now, you do a faith check and you tell me if you still believe. Jesus was born of a virgin. Do you really believe that? Don't look at me. I'm just asking questions. What do you believe? Do you believe there was a Jewish man born from the line of Abraham that was created by divine sperm when God overshadowed Mary and sparked fertilization in an egg and in her ovary? Now, come on, let's just be real. Do you believe that? Don't, don't say to me, because I'm, I'm just asking you the question, what do you believe? You want to fight the fear? Well, then we're going to have to ask the question. How still are you? What do you know? How truthful are you? Do you believe? And what do you believe? Now, let me tell you why this is important. You need to take your pencil and underline it. There's a reason why it's important to believe. Isaiah 16 said, therefore, I don't know what chapter that is. Did you find that? Isaiah 28 and 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation. That means everything. Everything is based on this one proof text. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Now we already know it, who it is because Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. It's ongoing. He you say you're done. He said, you're going to have to keep believing. It's getting expensive to believe right now. I'm going to have to ask you what you believe. COVID is making us do a little belief check. Is God still good? Hmm. Are his promises still true? Hmm. How far am I willing to risk myself for this? He said, I lay in Zion, a tried stone. He that, what? Believeth shall not run. 
It, well, it doesn't matter what I believe. Oh, sweet baby, if you start running, you're going into the pit. And if you get out of the pit, once you trigger it, it's like getting off the golf course. There are three kinds of traps waiting out there for us. Fear, pit, and snare. I'm telling you now. And God's trying to take us through it, around it, over it, under it. I'm telling you. Say, well, it's... I, 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 I don't have to deal with my fear. It's not important what I'm, what I'm afraid. I'm telling you, it's deadly important. Because if you are already afraid, you're going to start fleeing. And my Bible says, He that believeth shall not flee. You're not going to start running around. You'll not make haste. Look at Psalm 27, 13. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see what? The goodness of the Lord. Where? In heaven? No. Down here. You're going to have to ask yourself, is all the goodness gone? Are the miracles gone? Are we just all going to die? Are we all depressed? Are we all just... I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that scripture was written there for this time because I believe we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We already have. We have seen incredible miracles. Amen. Smack in the middle of coronavirus 2020. Now I want you to go to Habakkuk 2 and 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. So here we go back to the proud. I don't need that. I don't need this. This is not for me. It's good for you. It's not for me. I don't need God. I don't need His mercy. I don't need His grace. I'm doing just fine. I'm a good person. There's no such thing. I don't need forgiveness. I don't need mercy. I don't need the blood. I don't need the Holy Ghost. I don't need an altar. I don't need to pray. I don't need to fast. I'm awesome. I got it going on. Just because I say it makes it so. He said, he that has a soul that's lifted up like that is not upright. No righteousness. Guess what he's not been doing? No truth in here. Won't admit. Won't tell. Won't own. Will not be accountable. God help me. But the just, he said, now I know, I'm going to tell you two kinds of people. The people that go, I don't, thank you, I don't need that. And the, and the other people that go, God help me. Those just people, how do they live? By their faith. Number four, and we're at the end. And we're going to pray. I'm going to give you a chance to respond to the Lord. So we've got four things we do to fight fear. We're only on the fear, folks. We're only on the fear. We hadn't even hit lions and scorpions. We're just talking about fear. It's important how we face it. We've got to overcome it so we can avoid the pit that's right behind it. Okay? Be still. Know. Believe. Number four. On your sheet, what's it say? Magnify. Do you know what that means? That means to zero in on God till you make Him bigger. When you magnify something, you make it large. Psalm 34 and 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. 
This is what people have been longing to do. We come to church so we can make God bigger together. Let us exalt His name together. Psalm 69 and 30. I will praise the name of the Lord with a song. If you can't get together, then you better be singing. Why? I'm going to praise Him with a song. Say, well, I can't sing very well. Okay, that's fine. But guess how you magnify? Thanksgiving. I thank you for this. And 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 I thank you for this. The more you begin to give thanks, the bigger he gets. He gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And suddenly he's just overcoming everything. Luke 1, 46-55, and then Isaiah. This was Mary's prayer, this little 17-year-old virginal girl. And Mary said, My soul, here we are at Christmas time, doth magnify the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Then he, she starts telling why. Look what the Lord has done for me. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. She didn't say, aren't I awesome? She said, I am lowly. For behold, from henceforth, everybody's going to call me blessed. He that is mighty. God is mighty. I'm nothing. But look what he's done for me. Great things. Holy is His name. His mercy is on them that fear Him. From generation to generation. He has showed strength with His arm. It's amazing that He's been able to father a child by me. I've never even had a physical relationship with a man. This is unbelievable. She's not saying, aren't I awesome? Aren't I special? She said, I can't believe He's amazing that He can do this. He scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He put down the mighty and exalted them of low degree. She said, I'm talking about myself. I'm a nobody. He's filled the hungry with good things. I haven't had a lot of good in my life. And the rich he sent away empty. He helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. She is stretching out now. Is just not what he's done for me. Look what he's done for my people. Look what this is going to be for my people. Isaiah. Keep silence before you their strength. Let them come near. Let them speak. Let us come near together. Verses 10 through 14. Same God who wrote Isaiah said in 41, Fear thou not. Why? Why shouldn't I be afraid? For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Why? I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I know you're weak. I will help thee. I know you can't do it alone. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I know you don't have the strength to do right, but I'm going to help you. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee, they're going to be ashamed and confounded. They'll be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. I know you have opposition, 
But you're going to see, seek them, and they won't be there. You, those that fought with you and that warred against you, all that's going to be gone. You're not even going to remember it. For I, the Lord, will hold your right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And that last verse, Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and you men of Israel, I will help thee. I will help thee. I want you to close your eyes and raise your hands right now. Lord, we feel your presence in the house. Praise God. Let's stand. These steps of fear, and I think you need to understand this, fear precedes the pit which precedes the snare. The enemy uses fear. If you're afraid of looking foolish, afraid of being embarrassed, afraid of just fill in the blank. If you are, if you are, that's why Paul would say to Timothy, he's not giving us a spirit of fear. But if you are afraid of what, put it, uh, well, I'm afraid somebody's going to make fun of me. I'm afraid somebody's going to laugh. I'm afraid somebody's going to think I'm, I'm afraid, I, whatever, put whatever word you want in there. Let me tell you what will happen at some point, you're going to fall out of control. You'll fall in a hole. And because the source would be to call on God, to worship God. To, but because you're afraid of that, you can't get yourself out of that hole. And then it becomes the trap. You, you, you see what I'm saying? So it powerful word, powerful scriptures. <clears throat> Talked to someone today in, in uh, another part. Out of, out of state, actually, another minister. And, and he said, I, I've got folks that, you know, are bound by fear. And I understand being cautious. And he said, I, I understand. And he, and he said as well, you know, you're elderly. You have other health conditions. You have situations. That's one thing. You want to stay at home. But just you cannot allow yourself to be overcome by fear in this hour because it will end up in a pit where you're out of control oh i can handle a little anxiety before long you're agoraphobic and it becomes a snare you understand oh hallelujah let's thank the lord for his word thank you lord for your many blessings to us.